Welcome to episode 2110 for Friday, the 27th of January, 2024. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, today, talking about industry plants, of course. Uh, we've got all of our, all of our favourite ones. It's something we don't usually talk about because I've never really been into glorifying that kind of thing because for the most part, it's just really cringy. And we've we've been through like several different generations of industry plants. Nearly none of them were actually recognised here on the show. But there was that good seven years around the time of the pandemic where people were just getting famous for assumably no goddamn reason. It's not necessarily a Jordan-type thing or a Kardashian-type thing. It was literally like some guy got his head bashed into uh, a car wheel because a bike came speeding around the curb. And he had a catchphrase that was like, why are, you, why are you going fast? And that turned into an entire franchise. He had a t-shirt, he was on TV doing features on like morning shows and crap like that. Because apparently people get famous for assumably no reason. It, it's very much one of those things where you you get those people who will make their entire personality about a very single, very dry phrase. And it's usually those people who don't have much of a much of a comedic mindset as such. So they kind of just rely on old trusty, which is cringy as hell. They'll walk around saying, Oh, you're from Hungary, I'm hungry ninety times a day and it's like, please Please take me out of my misery. I don't want to listen to this anymore. And so we don't usually recognise things like this, but Bobby Altoff has been getting a lot of slack recently, especially since her interview with Offset. Because he went on and basically... There there was what looked like a very staged argument, but it's very difficult to tell in Bobby Altoff's podcasts because... And, and this is with very limited viewing, by the way, because I don't really, don't really read into things that much of this nature. But all, all I really need to see is a good, solid twenty minutes. So I think I watched maybe twenty minutes of various episodes, kind of just skipping through, just just to get the broad sense of what was going on. And so, in this specific instance, and it was the last big podcast that she had out. She was basically trying to say that, yeah, I don't know who you are. My people simply got in touch with you. And that was like, you know, five seconds ago, and I haven't had a chance to, to look through these sorts of things, blah, blah, blah. Makes her come across as very calloused, very, very, very cringy, incredibly cringy. Because it's almost like trying to be someone much larger than you actually are. And that might be very true. A lot of analysts, PA analysts, have kind of come across saying, but well, she's got these ties with Mark Cuban, who was also on her podcast. And while he was there, he essentially let off a bit of a clue, saying that it's good that you're connected with the same people that I'm connected with. Mark Cuban's with WME. Massive brand. And so that kind of, that kind of, yeah, put the nail in the coffin 
and said, well, it, there's a good chance she was actually planted here by the industry because she started like a year ago, just out of nowhere, just just literally spawned with the first episode of her podcast. Then the second one was Drake. And so that that would be enough to say to someone, I mean, this show's been going on for 2,110 episodes, technically longer, technically a lot longer. I think I've done somewhere close to 6,000 hours. How much is that in days? <laughs> 6,000 hours in days. 250 days. That sounds about right, I think. I've probably done slightly more than that in overall content. It's been 15 years, I think. And and at one point, this show was like four hours long. And, you know, you put in like all the marathon stuff, the 75-hour marathon, 72-hour marathon, 30-hour, uh, whatever we did in between, 56 and it will come up to a lot of numbers. And so I've been I've been doing this longer than most regular radio people have been doing it. Simply because of the strange nature of the internet. We can go live whenever we like. And it's a nice little freedom that I kind of have afforded myself. Because I do the show for the syndicates. The stations pick it up. They broadcast it wherever they want to. You know, CNS FM... All of that lot, Talk Radio X, they can do whatever they want with the show. But ultimately on the website, if I want to go on for a four hour rant in the middle of in the middle of nowhere at two AM in the morning, I can. And so that's amassed a lot of hours in total content. That's how the witching hour came about. Me and Alex, drunk at midnight, bada bing, bada boom, now you got a show. And so she she did like, you know, fifteen minutes or whatever it was half an hour and and apparently that got her to the point of getting drake on seems seems a bit suspicious and so she said that it was a tiktok competition to her at the time what 400 viewers she was like i've got 300 dollars for anybody who can get me a celebrity connection for the podcast verified no no because there's no trace of this ever happening and even still, you've got to be pretty out of touch with reality to think that 300 quid is going to get you a celebrity interview. Nobody's nobody's buying into that. doesn't matter how obsessed they are with you. And so it's quite clear that she's realistically a plant for WME. And it would make sense as well, because I think her husband is, if not super rich also a partner of WME and could probably swing this pretty pretty quickly. Hey, make my wife famous type thing. Okay, have you got a briefcase? Yeah, you do? Great, okay. She's now running this really horrendous podcast, but we'll get her the celebrities she needs to make it big. Because many people have criticised her overall style because it's dry it's it's just horrendous hard to watch very hard to watch and any celebrity booker wouldn't go near it quite rightfully as well because it's not the kind of representation that you would want for your celebrity clients now it's worked out in this specific instance hasn't damaged anyone's reputations because it literally can't damage anyone's reputations that's how contentless it is there's there's no chance of it damaging any relations or any reputations. 
but the rest of the celebrity bookers who have got you know bigger things on their plate have said we're not going to go near her we're not going to touch her because the moment they go on that podcast say it was like quentin tarantino that's just going to pull him down to a level that would ultimately cause a lot of problems in his career she's mainly got by just by interviewing rappers who by their nature can very easily go on that show and not have their reputations ruined because that is part of the hip-hop scene you know amateur interviews is a big part of it and piss take interviews as well you know we all we all pledge our allegiance to eric andre that's a fucking great show and yeah it it has very much the same effect as this shitty little podcast it would very easily be able to lead to bad sound clips and such from celebrities but you only go on it if you're able to kind of dish out what is given to you and that's what makes that show great so is she an industry plant yeah it looks like it i think that was the main point of everything i kind of just wanted to come on and talk about it because it's been filling my feed recently all of these podcasts by her clips all of this sort of stuff and i'm very good at kind of like discerning when something seems legitimate and when it's not like kind of get used to that after a while of researching content the way that i have to research it for the show and so a lot of people come about and it's quite obvious why they've become famous whether industry plant or such but it was the overall representation that was kind of given by her podcast that it isn't as such it wasn't glorified it had a very dry start and it's still very dry now. There's not much... Usually when you see industry-planted stuff, it's very overdone. Ridiculously overdone. And so it becomes very clear very immediately. But she's she's had many other kind of hits uh, to her in other areas as well. Which haven't helped with the whole rumour mill at all. People saying that she's potentially quite bigoted because she acts awkward around black celebrities but then when she had scarlett johansson on was acting completely normal and she does have a way of kind of showing that it's not an act as such very bad actor because there are points where you can legitimately see awkwardness potentially the look of i don't quite belong here type thing i don't know what i'm doing basically just blank behind the eyes and so i'm sure people are going to continue talking about this in the future if she gets back up my my only hope now is that this kind of this instant that has happened with offset kind of just keeps her at a lower level because ultimately what we want to see is is the truth is the real stuff there is a new term for us new neurodivergent people, which is neurospicy. That's apparently picking up a bit of a uh, bit of clout online. So going on in uh, South Korea right now, their food ministry has urged people to stop eating green fried toothpicks after TikTok users shared videos of themselves doing so. This doesn't surprise me. 
if I'm being honest. Um, so they've got this weird thing going on in South Korea. They don't use wooden toothpicks. They use, like, sweet potato and, is it cornstarch? Potato starch. And they basically chop it up into, like, toothpick-sized pieces. And then, what do they do? They soak it in um, sorbitol. The same stuff that chewing gum's made of. And that's kind of like their their toothpick industry. I wouldn't wouldn't be particularly keen of it myself, because it seems like something that if you kept in your pocket too long, it would go mouldy, I guess. I don't know. Sorbitol preserve sweet potato. But they're doing something else now. People are going ahead and, because it's potato starch and sweet potato, they were like, well, if we... We drop it in a deep fryer, then we'll have a tasty snack. <laughs> it's like, why? Why have you got to do these things? No, no discernible reason to be doing this. They did it anyway, and, and I feel like Fritos had a similar thing, which was like it was it was Cheetos mixed with xylitol or something. So you had like a horrendously minty crisp. And it's like, why? Why would you want that? Because surely as well, when you bite into it, it would kind of just spread the mintiness. You know? That doesn't sound appealing to me. So they're kind of like, hey, if you if you guys can stop doing that shit, we'd be highly appreciative. They're, they're freaky. They're really freaky. They They look like kind of like a mix between curly fries and... Cheetos, but obviously green, like vibrant green. And so they're doing this. People have apparently been kind of like getting bits of it stuck in the the, the back of their throat because it's kind of like this. It, it, although it's not wood, the sorbitol itself kind of makes it hardened as such and so they deep fry it and then they're surprised by the fact that it has like sharp pieces in it it's very much just another cinnamon challenge and and we get one every three months or so we you know that that seems to be uh something that we're either i don't know if we're blessed with it or cursed with it every three months there seems to be another challenge i forget what it was recently the top of my head, I think it was Nottinghamshire. The fucking Nottinghamshire exploding building challenge. Something stupid like that, where people were on TikTok filming buildings and appliances and buildings and then putting an explosion filter over it. And Nottingham Fire and Rescue kept getting called out because of these videos, because less savvy members of the community were seeing it. And it would be like, you know, Grand Church School down the road, posted six seconds ago. And they'd be like, holy shit, I need to tell the fire and ambulance service. And so they do. And it was basically just causing them crap tons of, you know, what what would it be called? I mean, they're non-emergency calls. They're not even emergency calls at all. Uh, Nuisance calls. There There was also like... Quite recently as well, I think we're kind of increasing in frequency in how many we get. People rubbing castor oil in their eyes for 
seemingly no good reason. They would call it like a cataracts, poor vision, dryness cure, as if Opterex was too expensive and as if there was suddenly a magical cure to cataracts involving castor oil. It's very concerning. But I wouldn't be too surprised if it was American. It's kind of just the things that happen on the internet. It, it gives people an excuse to do dumb shit, and so that's been that's been the most recent ones. And yeah, most recently, people eating fried toothpicks. And we're not, we're not. It's not Hunger Games. <laughs> Neon Yi and Body Bag right here on the Callum Sutton show. Was it Neon Yi? Neon Yi. She's great. She's absolutely great. I hope you're doing well. Uh, it, it's mail sack time. Choo-choo! Coming in from Darren in Manchester. Fuck me. Uh, why do I always see older people, mostly in Citroëns, Nissans and Fiats, put a box of tissues on their parcel shelf? You know what? It's one of those weird things that I guess different, different generations have different things. Um, my parents would have had the kind of like Churchill nodding dog, which I think is a great thing to have on your parcel shelf. It shows that you're aware that better insurance is available. And and then there's people who put tissues on their parcel shelf. Well, it's in case you sneeze while you're in the boot. Makes perfect sense to me. Uh, Netflix has confirmed a release window for Squid Games Season 2. The South Korean series became a massive hit when it debuted in, in 2021 and stands the streamer's most watched show ever, even spawning a hit reality spin-off that aired later that year. Yes. And we know a lot about that little spin-off, don't we? Insider news, as it were. Because apparently there was, like, a shit ton of mistreatment of the cast. Like, a ridiculous amount happening here in the UK, in Bedford of all places. Um, Yeah, there was, what was it, 456, 564-something. A a lot of people involved in it. I never actually watched it myself, because I don't have Netflix anymore. Um, but they did the whole thing that, you know, happens in, in canon squid games, as it were. Bunk beds tiled up to the ceiling. Big, big old room where people are kind of kept captive, and then they go out and they do these games. Very much similar to the original. But apparently there's there's a bit of controversy because things like the red light, green light game, on screen, it's represented as something that basically took no time at all. In the real world, on set, it was hours, literal hours on end, because the field itself was quite vast, meaning it took quite a long time to traverse with the rules of the game. And for every single stop, they would literally have to get people out on set to check everything <laughs> which meant that they could often be in the stop position for over 45 minutes. And it it is, you know, a very regular thing on film sets for health and safety to be ever so slightly completely ignored because they'll usually be like, well, health and safety, we have a safety marshal. Okay, that's it. It's like, okay, how many safety marshals do you have per 50 people? It's like, well, (laughs) 0.1. We don't work by regular safety rules. Because in most other industries, if you have like, you know, 500 people, there has to be a marshal per 100, for example. Obviously on film sets, they can get away with that completely and be like, 
Well, we have one safety marshal, and his name's Dave, and he's off today, but he'll be watching the events on Zoom. And it's like, right, that's not really... It's not really enough, though, is it? Uh, it'll be fine. And so, you know, 45 minutes standing in one position would have taken, yeah, a massive toll on people's, A, mental health, C, uh, physical health, B, wrong order. And so they did that. And there's lots of people saying that they either got evicted for seemingly no reason, just for kind of, like, drama the show. Apparently, it was highly, like, really highly scripted. Like, the winners were full-on selected before the first episode even started. And so they would very often ditch people who would be the actual winners from the show. They would find ways to essentially shove them off. And at the end of the show, the pre-set winners who would have, you know, they'd have story writers with them, literally doing their whole their whole timeline. They would be full-on, like, get the, given more or less the luxury life on set. Because the, the story people would be with them, kind of like, okay, all right, you can take a sit-down. You're the winner anyway, so, you know, take a sit-down. Don't play the games. And then, you know, people wonder why a lot of people got pissed off and wrote about their experiences, saying that health and safety was largely ignored, and nobody on set felt safe. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the conditions behind the actual Squid Game are. I'm going to guess they're actually quite quite regular for a film set, probably probably quite cushy, eight-hour day. <laughs> Uh, but when it comes to TV, things can always be a bit more brutal, as it were. Um, so yeah, there's that. Moving on, in a in a headline by is this the Metro? It's the Metro. Yeah, it's the moment Kendall Jenner fans have all been waiting for. The 28-year-old reality star turned model's venture into the world of tequila is finally becoming more widely available in the UK, and in a crossover nobody saw coming, you can now buy a Tesco and you can now buy a bottle from Tesco. Oh, fuck, that's boring. Cali Uchis, Kira me bien. Right here on the Callum Sutton Show. Hope you're doing well. On this wonderful Friday, car's back. In good bill of health, at last. Jesus Christ, it takes so long for these things to to propagate as such. I was always kind of fascinated by the fact that you had these, like, 50s, 60s vehicles that they, they would literally just come with, like, a pocketbook. Like, this is how you fix this thing. It only takes, like, three pages to explain the entire thing back to front because the engine was completely exposed and didn't really have much guff around it. It was like, right, well, this is... This is the cylinder, the drivetrain, pistons, etika, etika. And, uh, you know, you buy a three-pound piece of metal from a store and just stick that in some random place without any adhesive or screws. And it's like, yep, fixed. There you go. Car's working again. And these days it's like, well, there's a very delicate pipe underneath your car and it transfers hydraulic reserve fluid to the uh, calipers. On the rear wheels. Now, it may or may not be highly exposed and may or may not be in the exact same spot that you'll usually hit 
uh, if you were to go over a really, really steep speed bump. Um, by the way, it doesn't have any kind of like fastening on it either. So if you do hit something really sharp from underneath, it might just completely shift out of place. It might just unplug itself. So that's fun. We we couldn't think to put a gator over it, you know, just to protect it, because that'd just be stupid. Can you imagine spending the extra fiver to get some metal cladding to kind of just protect that really important piece that makes the brakes work? I can't say I completely understand all of it, because I never did mechanics in college or whatever. But I understand enough to be like, well, that's a bit of a shit design. That could be a lot better. That could be improved. I mean, they do. On, on, you know, more modern generations of cars, they have kind of thought, mm, yeah, maybe let's cover that up. Maybe let's not make it so easy to damage. But it's like, yeah, it's a pain in the ass, really. Because the way things are kind of like baked in now, you kind of have to take everything apart. Something that I don't really have the option of even doing because I live in West London. It's like if I was to leave the car overnight in a slightly more, you know, undone state, as it were, I would wake up and those parts would be missing. Because <laughs> you see cars around here all the time. It's actually quite disturbing. You see cars around here all the time on bricks because somebody went to replace a spare wheel and, I don't know, they, they went inside to get a locking wheel nut. Who keeps their locking wheel nut inside? Nobody. But let's go with that. We'll keep that metaphor alive for the moment, just so that we can, you know, simplify the process as such. They go inside to get their locking wheel nut, and they come back, and the wheel's missing, and the bonnet's missing. And, oh, by the way, the catalytic converter was cut off in about 50 seconds flat. It apparently made no noise. That's the thing. How did, how did they get away with that? How do you get away with cutting someone's catalytic converter off? You know, the amount of noise that an angle grinder makes... And what, nobody noticed at all? It's one of those things. It's like, as as a modern society, we're very good at just turning an eye to things that cause great distress to others. Because it either is is too inconvenient for us, or because we've realised that nobody else would have our backs anyway if we went in to actually defend someone. It's something we really need to get better at. But the question is, how is it going to happen naturally? I'm not too sure. I I don't think there's much... There's much chance of it happening naturally anymore, which is worrying. But it's kind of just what we have to live with now. Because it used to be very much a all-hands-in, all-hands-on-deck situation. If you look back at, like, you know, 40s, say construction nature as such if they saw a van being stolen outside they would all be hands on deck let's go let's get them stop this from happening these days they would take one look behind their shoulder see that a van's being stolen and then go back to work it's like the same when you see um these police shows with people being like literally literally murdered on the streets and people are just standing there watching it filming it because if there isn't a large enough population of people going in, then ultimately it's just going to end up as way more people being injured. 
So, you know, closing notes, bit of a dark, a dark end to the show, as it were. But it's not a start. It's not something we haven't talked about before. I mean, the first couple of shows had a lot of that kind of stuff on them, where we were talking about things of this nature. And as such, they're going to be available again soon. Callum Sutton, Sean came with JM. So be looking forward to kind of releasing a lot of legacy episodes, which have a lot of stuff like this on them. And to a certain extent, listening to them back now, it almost seems kind of haunting. So if you're into that sort of thing, if you're into like lost, lost footage, if you're into kind of subliminal horror, then you might find some sort of value in the Callum Sutton show on Cambridge AM. Because it very much has that kind of feel to it. It's weird how that works. So. This is the Callum Sutton Show. From Opposition Studios. Yeah, that, that only took about six to seven business days to come to me. I pressed that button like nine minutes ago. Afrojack and Jules and Sparks closing today's show with the Desert Remix of Switch. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I shall see you on the next one. Until then... Take care, drive safe, and bye for now.